I want to go to Romans chapter 14 now, and we're talking about kingdom authority, and we're talking about the new covenant kings, and we're told this in Romans chapter 14, the kingdom of God is expressed this way in verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there was a lot of division in the church, and there was division among Christians, because it, it, this basically was illustrated over the, the, the battle that it was a group of Christians said you can't eat meat because it might have been offered to an idol. And another group of Christians said, you know what, you can eat meat, it's fine. And, and Paul said the church should not divide over that. The church is not about what you eat or don't eat. The church is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. He says, follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. And so that's what we should be doing. We should not do things in our life that destroys the work of God and another believer. And that, that oftentimes happens, you know, maybe you're a Christian and you experience deliverance at some point of your life where God miraculously set you free from something. And you said, that's a result of salvation. And if God set me free from that, then anybody that's truly born again is also set free from that. And that's not the case because you might have been set free from one thing, but you probably struggling with other temptations and sins and a thousand other things in your life. And yet we want to go attack something that you've been set free from that another believer is struggling with. And you can destroy the work of God in that person's life. And that person who you're attacking could probably attack you because they experienced the deliverance and their salvation that you're struggling with. And Paul said, this could go on all day. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we should not behave in such a way that destroys the work of God in other people's lives. We should seek peace with one another. And we should seek to edify one another. And this is the intent of the kingdom of God. This is kingdom authority, all right? If you are a Christian and you are not bringing peace into God's kingdom then you are walking in a, a lack of authority. There is a lack of, of power in your life. It's not the power to build up, but the power to destroy. Now, I want to compare this explanation of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, with a passage in 2 Timothy 3. And Paul says, and, and this is important because the, the key to these problems that are going to result in the last day's church is because there's a form of godliness, but they're denying the power. So in 2 Timothy 3, 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now this is the church world. This is not the world. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That is the church world today. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. 
And remember, what is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is God. God, the power of God is God. And so when we understand that the problem of the last day's church manifesting the kingdom of God in the earth is that it is just a formality. There's a form of godliness, but there's no power in it. There's no power of God in their life. And the power of God is the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You could say it this way. The kingdom of God is righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Peace in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth and in an individual's life. And where the Holy Spirit is not functioning and the Holy Spirit is not allowed to live and move because you can grieve him and you can quench him and you can hinder him as a believer. The world can't do that to the Holy Spirit, but believers do that to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved that way, then he is cramped and he is limited in our life. Take away the spirit and grace from a believer's life or from a church or a local congregation, and you will take away the kingdom of God. When you remove the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, you are left with a form of Christianity. You are left with traditions and formalities and disciplines. And that seems to be the experience of practically any church in America. It has long history and long roots because, quote, we have been a Christian nation and our parents were Christians and our grandparents were Christians and our great-great-grandparents were Christians. And our tradition of worship and our tradition of the style of worship and the tradition of how we go to church is not based upon the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit, but it's primarily based upon our traditions, This is the way we did it. This is the way it happens, you know. You can renovate things a little bit. It might not be traditional. And yet, sometimes we just, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this is concerning and so forth. And so those traditions can bring a lot of havoc into our life. When we're not filled with the Spirit of God and we do not have the manifest presence of God, the power of God in our life. The only thing we are left with is the form of godliness. There's no comfort. There's no power. There's no authority. We are left to the brains of men and the empty speeches of people proclaiming to speak for God. Words of men without power. A form of godliness but denying the power is totally contrary to what Paul desired to preach and see. And the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ primarily had within it the declaration of the gift of the baptism of Jesus Christ to believers, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which according to Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, you shall be endued with power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But multitudes of people, even in Pentecostal churches, are content to live a formality Profess the Holy Spirit, but not be under his influence, nor live by his power. That is a tragedy in our day. It is very difficult, I think, for any person, 
with any credibility to read 2 Timothy chapter 3 and not understand that is where the church of America is today because of a lack of power, and that is the power of God. Without the gospel of God's grace, a man is left without power to be any different. All he can do is clean the outside, but within he is filled with dead men's bones. And without the baptism in the Holy Ghost, a man knows what God can do, but he does not have the faith and the vitality to be able to believe for God to do that. He is left with the ability of the flesh, and the flesh gets nowhere with God and is the instrument of hell. We have to understand that. Throughout the decades in America, dry professors who by their own limited power of self sought to set the standards for life and holiness and sanctification as much as any of Moses' preachers did. Jesus had to decry them. And these same professors must be decried today. If there is to be the release of bondage in the house of God. And the entrance of the Holy Spirit and freedom. These dry professors declare themselves the standard. And they cry, this is Christ. This is what Jesus looks like. But the abominable worship of the flesh. Only the Holy Ghost can say, this is Christ. Only he can say that. The corruption of institutions. Why should anyone suppose that a man's touch can have any place in God's house? When the first church had to be born of, baptized in, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Thus the need and the role of new covenant kings living in authority and power. That they might rule over satanic power. And the aggressiveness of hell to bring the church back under formality, traditions, and bondage. The new covenant kings must be the men and women within that body who live for its freedom and live to see its power and live to see the desperation of people that we must have the Holy Spirit. And if we don't have him, shut the doors because it's all in vain. New covenant kings must implement that. And without that, the devil will come in and he will take over. The form of godliness without the power of God has proven the ability to destroy even the churches with a history of being most effective for God. When they lose that power and become a form, then Satan will destroy it. Dear God, don't let it happen on our watch. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit and live in his power. The new covenant kings and the new covenant authority must be affected not only in the world but in the house of God. The apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 in regards to the new covenant kings and the authority. When men were wanting to judge his life and they were wanting to judge the freedom that the apostle Paul lived in. And they wanted to judge the freedom that other grace people lived in. The apostle Paul made this conclusion. I will not give you one hour of my time. Let no man trouble me. I have borne in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. I do not need to prove to you anything that I am. For my message and my life speak for themselves. And Paul was content with that. He's like Nehemiah where the enemies are trying to tell Nehemiah, come off the wall. 
And come and have a visit with us. Come and let's talk. And Nehemiah says, I'm doing a great work. How can I come down here to talk to you about this? Ministers of God, people of God, those of you living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, live in that. Don't take the time to get into the debates and the arguments with the religious or with the professors. Just preach the message and live the life and let that speak for itself. Now, going back to Galatians, and I want you to read just there and also in Corinthians about new covenant authority, the new covenant kings. There were people that entered into the church at Galatia. I'm sure you're aware of this. The Galatian Christians were not looking for a way to sin. They were desiring to be more holy. They were desiring to be more Christ-like. And so in an effort to be more Christ-like, religious men came into the church and told the Galatians that it's good that you believe in Jesus, but if you're going to be more holy, you also have to keep the law. You have to keep these rules and you have to keep these regulations. When Paul heard about that, he was irate and wondered, who bewitched you? That you so quickly turn from Jesus. Can you start in the spirit and end in the flesh? Do you go in grace and end in works? If you do, Christ profits you nothing. And Paul's almost like saying to the church at Galatians, who are these guys? Let me have them. So he says in Galatians chapter 5, and I, and, and I just think it's power verse 12, he says this. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. Cut them off. It's a strange thing to hear an apostle say that in our day today. It's a strange thing to hear a minister say that even in our day today. But when something or somebody comes in to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ or the free living of people through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul says cut them off. That word cut off means what it says. It, it, it would be like amputating a part of your body. Get rid of it. It's infected. It's gangrene. It's going to kill the whole body if you don't get rid of it. Get rid of it. Cut them off is what he says. It's so strong for him to say that. But this is new covenant authority. These are the kings of God. The, 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 the rulers that God has, and he's made all of us that through his blood, that we should fight for this freedom and this liberty in Jesus Christ, that men would have the opportunity to walk with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to see Paul's authority again. This is new covenant authority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says this, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. And I will know, not your speech, not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So how will you? Should I come to you with a rod or in love? Shall I come to you in the spirit of meekness? And so this is a pretty bold statement, isn't it? There are people in your church that are puffed up and they're saying some bold things and some swelling words about the apostle Paul. And Paul says, you think I won't come? I'm coming. If God wills, 
I'm coming. And when I come, we're going to have a confrontation. Not of words, but of power. Beloved, that's new covenant kings. That's new covenant authority. And I would ask you, how many of you have the kind of authority to be able to walk like that? To be able to exercise the authority of the Holy Spirit in the house of God so that the the work of the devil could not come in and pervert what God is wanting to do. This is carried over into 2 Corinthians. And I want you to see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul is still having to deal with these situations. He dealt with it till the day he died. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he talks about the weapons of our warfare, not carnal. They're mighty through God. They have the ability to cast down high things and knowledge that elevates itself above the knowledge of God. And he says in verse 7, this is important. He says in verse 7, do you look on things after the outward appearance If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again. That as he is Christ, belonging to Jesus, even so are we Christ. Do we belong to Jesus? Is what he's saying there. And though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us. And I want you to see new covenant authority. New covenant authority is for edification and not destruction. Amen? Edification and not destruction. So unless you would understand our authority, and I should not be ashamed, that I may not seem as if I would terrify you for letters. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. That's what they're saying about Paul. And he says again, I'm coming. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letter when we're absent, we will also be like that in our deeds when we are present. In other words, Paul says, I'm coming. Now listen, Paul's authority and new covenant authority is not to destroy the body of Christ. It's to edify the body of Christ, but it will destroy the devil. And the devil's means of working. By no means. Jesus is is authority to not do devastation to hell. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that I have come to destroy the works of the devil. And as he was sent into the world, even so I send you into the world. So don't think for a moment that our authority in Christ is not to bring destruction on hell. And the strategies of hell. But it is never to bring destruction on the church. Always peace, always inspiration, always edification. As a matter of fact, prophecy is for comfort, exhortation, and edification. Somebody stands up to give a prophecy, and they begin to give a prophecy, and it begins to take comfort from people, and it it, it becomes more in the form of a rebuke and so forth like that. Then it is not a New Testament prophecy. Because that brings comfort and edification and exhortation in it. And so it's just important to understand it. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says this in verse 10. I don't have time to read it all. So we're just going to look at verse 10. He says, as the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. And his boasting is in the gospel. He's going to boast in the grace of God. 
And then he says in verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their words. And so Paul is saying this, I have authority in Christ, and I will do devastation to the apostles of Satan. I will do it. And I'm not going to sit around and talk, but we're going to have the power of God move. And this and people like that will be dealt with because Satan gets into the church and he pretends to be a minister of light or a true minister of righteousness. But they are not. He's talking about the legalist. He's talking about people who say Jesus is not enough and the blood is not enough. In verse 20, he says this, for you suffer. If a man brings you into bondage, if a man devours you, if a man takes of you, if a man exalts himself, if a man smites you in the face, you take that. And so here's kind of the summation of this. You've got these guys in your church that are beating you up. They're putting you into bondage. I am coming to chase them off. So you are no longer being beat up by these guys. That's what Paul is saying. And that is not a ministry that destroys the body of Christ. But that is new covenant authority that keeps the body of Christ free and keeps it healthy. And I pray that we would take this into consideration. Because I'll be honest with you. When the devil begins his work, he is often very successful in a church. Because the last person to ever find out about problems in a church is who? Me. I'm the last one to ever find out about it. But multitudes of people have already been hearing about it and seeing about it and having conversations about it and talking with people about it. And and they're disturbed about it and they're not comfortable with it and they think something's wrong with this. And I I don't like to even be around that person. And, And then they continue to do their work. And by the time the pastor hears about it, there is such a sowing of the devil among the body that where do you even begin to do it? You know, and so, guys, I just say to you, exercise new covenant authority that brings peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is not to beat one another up, but it is to chase off the work of the devil. Those that would want to bring us back into bondage to the law. Those that would want to tell us that we must work in order to get our favor with God. Well, I'm telling you, we have favor with God through his grace and not through our works. And so we have to be very, very careful with this. And I just want you to understand it. We must know this grace. And I'm just going to kind of bring this to a conclusion. But listen to me carefully. It has always been the good self that keeps us from Jesus. The good self is the most dangerous self in any church. It's not the person that's battling with a particular temptation that they keep falling in, whether it's drinking or their temper or maybe some perversion or immorality that they're struggling. They never bothered the church. It's the good self that has always been the means by which Satan has worked in the church. The good self. The bad self 
we gladly deny. But the good self, we are determined that we are going to be so good that we oftentimes are blinded the same way the Jewish scribes and Pharisees were when true good and true humility and true holiness walked among them and they crucified him as an imposter. And that's what the good self will do to God. That's what the good self will do to Jesus every single time. The good self will crucify Jesus. They'll kill the life of God wherever he is manifesting himself. And back to Romans 14, we will destroy the work of God in somebody else's life. That's tragic. The good self always does that. Be very, very, very careful with this. Now, Every one of you in here should already know, I have no good self. But the fact of the matter is, there's probably very few of us in this room that actually believe that. That's why you get disappointed. Because you thought better of yourself. So we really don't realize we have no good self. We still think that we do. And it is through that that there is destruction that can come to the body of Christ. A work of grace is the Holy Spirit coming into your life and disgracing yourself. Your good self, your bad self, yourself. Grace disgraces who you are so that it can bring you into the new creation that God wants you to be. The highest holiness for the creature is to walk in self-renunciation and continual dependence upon the indwelling Holy Spirit. Nothing but a work of grace can take the man who once wanted to be like God to now renounce himself as a complete disgrace and believe that only God is good and God is great. And greatly to be praised. Our inability to praise God the way he has asked us to. Only reveals that we still think very highly of ourselves. This is the greatest illustration of it of all. The intent of Jesus on bearing our cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. What's the intent of Jesus? In doing that. It's not to get us to die. For according to Romans chapter 5. We've already died with Jesus. And we've already passed from death unto life. So when Jesus says take up your cross and follow after me. Deny yourself daily. If you would be my disciples. What is his intent? What is he actually saying? And what he is telling us there is, stop with your striving. Stop with your imagination that you can make yourself better. Just stop it and give up to me and trust me and let me, by the power of my Holy Spirit, be the power and the strength of your life. So read what you will. I'm talking about New Covenant Authority. Read what you will. Confess, repent, 
fight, discipline, strive, be accountable to people. But unless the Holy Spirit is your life and your power and the mover of your life, you will fail. You will never pray right. You will never give right. Many of us probably are are discouraged about our prayer life. There's probably a good number of you that don't regularly tithe or give offerings. We don't forgive right. There's probably some of us that have unforgiveness in our hearts. We don't preach right. That's for sure. Our flesh gets in it. We don't overcome sin. Because none of these things can be done without the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Who by his power and fellowship and intimacy gives me the ability to pray, to worship, to praise, to repent, to give, to tithe, to forgive, to do right, to live right. Wasn't long ago that a man drove four hours, come to church, that he might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Four hours. He drove here to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He could have been filled everywhere he was, anywhere he was. He could have been filled in the car driving. But there was a hunger in him that moved him to get to a place where he believed people would pray with him. And he was filled. He was filled. So praise God that we can have authority In the kingdom of God. And that authority again. Is not for fighting. Carl if you'd come. It's not for fighting. It's not for arguing. It's not for destroying. It's not. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I have kingdom authority. That means I'm going to win every argument. And I'm going to make you feel. So horrible about yourself. No that's not what kingdom authority is about. Kingdom authority is about allowing you to be free. In the Holy Spirit. To be able to walk in grace. And to beat off of your life all of the enemies of hell that would try to wreck you, take your faith away, rob you of your confidence. Those people in your life are fighting for your life. And that's what our authority needs to be like. But men in the flesh who have a form of godliness, they will beat up on you. They will argue with you. They will dispute with you. They will hurt you. Their temper will be bad. Their attitude will be bad. There will not be mercy. There will not be joy. There will not be righteousness. Remember that. Understand that. But I'm going to tell you something as I finish right now. We are desperate in the church in America for the body of Christ to finally rise up And walk in new covenant authority. We're desperate for that. For the church has been under attack for decades. Would you stand with me and just take a moment and worship. And if you want to come into these altars and pray for a moment, you certainly can. You can look at things in your life that are messed up, skewed, not right. You can't cry enough to get rid of it. But you can repent. You can confess it to God, the Holy Spirit is the one that's given to you to help you. Help you restore your life, your heart, your worship, your giving, your prayers. The Holy Spirit does that for you. He does it for everyone that's in the kingdom. And He's accessible for you.
Take advantage of the great invitation of the Lord to your life.